but God is with us. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Thanksgiving is behind us, and the rush towards Christmas has begun. We've already consumed too much food. We've already enjoyed our family time. But I always wonder how much thanks, we call it, we set aside a day for Thanksgiving, but how much thanks is really given? Oh, we may go around the room and say things we're thankful for. We may um, utter a prayer out of obligation. But I know that true thankfulness is something that comes from the heart. True thankfulness is an attitude. You can be thankful without saying a word by your actions and the way that you live life. To me, it seems almost sad that, that, that we live in a day and a time that it seems like we've got to reach the place that we can't even wait for the Christmas season. I even see posts before Thanksgiving say, is it okay to put up the Christmas decorations yet? I understand that. I like it. Every year I love it when we decorate the church and and when it finally comes and and the New Year's pass and we finally schedule the day and we take all the decorations down. I, I always remember, I always think of how empty the stage and everything looks with all that stuff gone. I understand that stuff. But to me, there's something about sitting aside a day to give thanks. And I'll be honest, it really does bother me a little bit that it seems like we can't even give the whole day to that anymore. Kim and I were sitting there watching the the football game and every other commercial was, Black Friday starts today at 2 p.m. thought today was Thursday. I mean, we can't even give it a full day anymore. Now, if you went, I'm not going to condemn you, but there's no way. For me, that was just a thing of principles. Like, I refuse to go Christmas shopping on Thanksgiving Day. But after all, we have all kinds of things to be thankful for. And to me, one of the greatest things of all we should be thankful for is Matthew 1.23 where it says this, the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Man, that ought to be something in there that gets down in you. God with us. The one that spoke the universe into existence is with us. He knows who you are. He loves you so much he sent his son to redeem you. That ought to be something about that. You know, I'm looking forward to December 25th. It's, this is my favorite time of year. It truly is. I love this time of year. I love the cooler weather. I love that we get to, to wear different clothes the two or three weeks we usually get to in this part of the country. Although we've already had a little more cold, a little more wet and stuff than, than normal. But I, but I love this season. I love all the stuff about it. But December 25th is the day that we set aside to celebrate and to honor the birth of Jesus. But I want today, as I was thinking about that, because we just finished Thanksgiving and it's time to slide in and begin to look towards Christmas. And I thought, what? how can we kind of bridge the two? Isn't it interesting that, that 
We can have a th- time of Thanksgiving. One of the things that Kim and I noticed, we went on Wednesday night. We had a few little things we needed to pick up for our Thanksgiving celebration. So we went to the store to pick up a few little ingredients we need for some things we were making. And, and we, we had our little list on our phone that we were checking off and we are going through. And, and the shelves were bare in places and the place was crowded, packed with people getting those last few minutes things. And it struck me. We even talked about it on the, on the way home. I said, isn't it interesting? Because we noticed as we're walking through the aisles, even though it was crowded, and maybe you wanted something, you had to kind of work through people to, to get to the item that you wanted, that people were being so kind and being so friendly. And everybody was saying, excuse me, can I reach that? And people were joking with one another. And it was just it was this neat. People I didn't even know were having this great encounter. And I thought, man, just think, tomorrow... About 4, 5 o'clock when some of those doors open, some of those people being so nice and so friendly are going to be fighting for that doll. Something's wrong with that picture. So I want us to look at I want us to step towards Christmas. I want to keep an eye turned back to Thanksgiving. God with us. Today as we kind of start this series... I want to point out that God is with us in the promise. What do we think of when we think of Christmas? Many times we think of all the decorations. We think of all the stuff. It's plastic and lights and wrapping paper and bows and and all these things and all the Christmas specials and all the stuff that it's all wrapped up in and it's shiny and it's red and it's white and it's green and we celebrate it as a holiday and I, I said like I said I love this time of year and I love all that goes with that but we also should remember to celebrate it as a holy day after all that's really what the root of the word holiday is is holy day see jesus redeems people you know every year when december 25th comes along or we're approaching that see there's always somebody that wants to come up and and say well you realize jesus probably wasn't born on december 25th okay we can't go to the courthouse. We can't look up the date to which he was actually born. I don't think anybody's found that birth certificate. And then I hear things like, well, well, you know that the, the, the beginning of a lot of those celebrations was based around the, the, um, the darkest time of the season and, and, and all that, and, and that the Celtics and all those people celebrated those things. Like, I understand that, but you know what? If my Jesus is big enough to redeem people, he can redeem a season. And if this is the time of the year that the whole world is going to turn at least an eye towards the manger, then it's going to be the time of the year that I'm going to stand up and I'm going to proclaim exactly who that baby is out loud. And so it's part of it. Because if you think about it, to me it's beautiful that we take the time of year, that we take this season that is the darkest time of year, the time when you can be driving home at 4.30 in the afternoon and it's already getting dark. I mean, it's the darkest time of year. I can be driving to the church on Wednesday night and I feel like I should already be going to bed.
But yet it's the darkest time of the year. To me, it's the greatest thing that this is the time, this is the season that we stop in the midst of that darkness and we celebrate light being born. We celebrate by putting the lights out that light was born into darkness because we know that later on Jesus would stand up and he would declare, I am the light of the world. So to me, what a great time. What a great opportunity for us to get together. So as I was thinking about that, I thought about some of the things. I thought about some of the promises because Jesus looked at the despair that Israel found themselves in. He looked at the despair that the world found themselves in, and he came and he chose to bring us hope because God keeps his promises. But he also keeps his promise consequences. I mean, we're great at keeping, at, at, we're, we're great at the idea of focusing on God's promises that we like. But there's also promises that he made that we don't focus on so much because we don't like those promises. See, God promised consequences for sin. From the earliest days of creation, God promised that I made this garden for you, I created it all for you, but there are consequences if you don't obey what I tell you to do. And it didn't take very long for Adam and Eve to put that promise of, if you eat of this tree of knowledge, you will surely die, put it to the test, all because the enemy came along and said, you won't surely die. They bought into the idea. And pretty soon they found out that God keeps his promises. Think about this. They didn't even trust the creator of it all to keep his word. Yeah, I learned very early in life that my parents kept their word. I could be at the store. And there could be something that I really, really wanted. And even told, no, you can't have it. And I would be persistent. And my dad would come up with a phrase that I swore I would never use. But just like all those phrases, you eventually use them as parents. He said, keep going and you will get it when you get home. But he didn't mean the it as in the toy I was holding. And I learned, mom and dad keep their promises, the ones that I like and the ones that I don't like. But God's really the same way. I find it interesting that, that we see in the words of the prophet Malachi, right before, here we are, right? The very last book in the Old Testament, the very next thing that's going to happen is the promise of, of Jesus is going to begin to unfold in the very next thing we see in Scripture. And right before that, the Bible talks about the fulfillment of the promise. And Malachi, in chapter 4, verse 1, says this, promising that there will be consequences. He says, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. 
Wow. Notice what he's promising. Now, there's another promise to come here, but he's promising consequences for our life without Christ. Look at the history of Israel, the history of God's people in general. Isn't it interesting how that we struggle with always doing what is right? Even in the midst of God's blessing. Look around you. We're living in one of the most blessed nations on the planet. You would think out of anybody, the people in this nation would be grateful. Yet, is that what we see around us? But the children of Israel were no different. I mean, they ended up in slavery and and, and God spoke to Moses, and Moses was God's hand, man that he used by his hand to bring them out of slavery. And God did this work in their lives, and, and he performed miracle upon miracle upon miracle to set them free. <laughs> we see the plagues that took place. We see what was done. God miraculously, by his hand, set them free. God miraculously provided for them and fought battles for them and did all of these things. Yet we see it did not take very long at all on the heels of God keeping those promises all along. They thought that somehow they could turn from serving him with all their hearts and that God would not keep the other promises of the consequences of their actions. We see them pay the price again and again. Not just them, but even after they became a nation, they would have seasons that they would serve God. And God would do something miraculous. And then they would fall away and begin to break his laws. And God would allow the Philistines to overtake them. They would repent and turn back. And and, and God would, would once again rescue them. And once again, they would fall away. And then the Babylonians would come and enslave them. It really was as if, kind of like on the back of the bottle of shampoo, it really was rescue, reject, repeat. That was the cycle. But yet so many times we we do that. And so God is faithful in keeping his promises he, he, I mean, me, how many times in Scripture does, does he say, if you will follow me, here is the reward. And we want to hold on to those promises, but we forget that the times he says, but if you don't follow me and you reject me, here is the consequences. And we forget those promises, but they're still promises. So 400 years before Herod the Great began his ruthless reign over the Jewish people, Before that, Malachi promises the day of the Lord is coming. A promised judgment and a promised rescue. He even spoke of that there would be one that would come in the spirit of Elijah and prepare the way for the Lord. So he prophesied John the Baptist 400 years before that became a reality. And yet we see it. 
And in their lives, despair had become such a way of life in their history. They were in this place. And this time, though, the oppressor were the Romans. And the Romans were the one that had taken over. The Romans were the ones that were putting them under oppression. The Romans were the one, in a sense, that had the boot on the back of their neck. If ever there was a time they were desperate, if ever there was a time they were calling out and thinking and looking back on the promises of God, looking for that rescue. See, long before Malachi spoke it, Moses spoke it in Deuteronomy 18, 15. He says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. And so in their despair, they cried out for God and they waited for deliverance and they wanted hope to come. But many times we can call out and our hope usually comes in some unexpected form. You know, I've kind of got my own little theory about things. I kind of feel like if I figure out how God's going to do it, then I just made sure that's the way he's not going to do it. Because so many times we think we figure out, but God's going to do this, and he's going to do this, and it's all going to, it's going to be all tied together in this pretty little bow. And God says, no, you don't understand. I'm going to take this mess over here, and I'm going to do something that you don't see coming, and out of that mess, I'm going to send my miracle. That's kind of what happens here is that hope can come from the most unlikely of places in our lives. You may be here today and it may feel like the pressure of the world is upon you. Even though if you're, if you're honest with yourselves, so many times we can have so many things that we know we should be thankful for but we struggle with mustering up the thankfulness we should have because we feel the pressures of this. We feel the pressures of that. We feel the pressures of circumstances. Isn't it interesting how that during the Christmas season when it's supposed to be in Thanksgiving season when it's supposed to be the time that we're looking at life through the idea of thankfulness and joy and fulfillment of promises that many times people report feeling the most lonely. That suicides and issues begin to rise up in people's life because of the pressure. But I'm here to tell you today, you may be facing struggles. You may be facing pressure. You may even be suffering the consequences of something you've done wrong in your past. But you know what? That's not the last word. It's out of those messes that Christ comes along and takes the chaos and turns it into a blessing. What I want you to hold on to this morning is this. Trust should be the byproduct of promises kept and God is in the habit of keeping his 
promises, just like I knew as a kid that if my parents promised something, it was going to be true, whether it was a good promise or a promise of consequences when I got home. I knew when they made a promise, that they, but unlike them, because when I was a kid at times, if dad said you're going to get it when you get home, that was usually true. But every now and then, I could become the perfect kid after he said that. And I could be the, the most well-behaved child, and we could go through two or three other stops, and we could go through, and we could be joking on the way home, and we'd get home, and he would forget. God doesn't forget. God never forgets his promises. See, he will keep his promise of judgment, but he will also keep his promise of redemption. See, there came a point that that promise was released. And if we're honest, that's what we celebrate on Christmas is the release of the promise of God. See, what do we expect? We expect... We expect relief. We expect the, the, the fulfillment of the good promises and the things. We expect in our moments when we're praying or calling out for God to redeem our circumstance. Many times we expect as if it were a, suddenly a light comes on and shines down our situation and, and we hear the angels sing and it's this glorious moment where we rise up and everything is perfect. And God can do that. How many know that many times what he does he takes the mess and out of the mess he begins to rearrange and work things and he makes it into something beautiful that what was a mess can be used to let his light shine to those around us I want to read what Malachi says next after he talks about the judgment now he switches to the good promise he says but for you Man, that ought to be highlighted right there. I mean, think about this. He's just talked about the consequence of sin, and then the very next thing he says, but for you, that ought to do something for you. I'm talking, he's talking about how he's going to burn all this other up stuff, and then he turns around and says, but for you, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise up with healing in its wings and you will go out and leap like calves released from a stall. Or as some translations say, frolic like well-fed calves. Same thing. We had, we had a day the other day that a lot of you probably noticed the some of the work that was done on the sanctuary, we've repainted, redone the sound booth, done some things, and, you know, it's really coming along. We're pretty pleased with it. But it was this last Tuesday that we just said, okay, we're going to, we're going to begin the process of painting sanctuary because some people had some time they could. And so we decided to work on that. And, and so we get together. And so 
Kevin and Billy and some people and Kim and I, we get stuff, we get up here, we get, get started painting and, and we're going along and, and it's, it's, we're making pretty good progress and we're getting things done and moving along and it reached the point that it's like, okay, we're tired. I think I'm about ready to call it a day. Then I get a phone call and the Zooks said, hey, we're, we're off work now, so if we're going to come and help. And so we knew that help was on its way at 7 o'clock and we said, you know what? If they're coming there, then we can press on. We can finish this. And so we did. And so we ended up leaving about 9 o'clock. But the the painting was done. There was still stuff to be done, but the painting was done. What a sense of accomplishment. And so we're driving home. We're tired. We're hungry. We decide that we're going to, to go to the uh, stop somewhere and get a bite to eat and all this stuff. But also we realize our dog has been alone in the house <laughs> that whole time. When we opened the back door, it was like a calf that had been freed. (laughs) So the point is, you understand what it's like. You know, it's great if somebody has a perfect life, but there is something about those that know that the consequence they should be receiving is that fire and brimstone that he talked about. But all of a sudden, in God's grace and his mercy, he comes along and because of belief says, but for you, I have something different. And he sets you free. It's like a calf being freed. All of a sudden, there's a joy that comes upon us. See, he brings hope out of despair. Think about what he did on that first Christmas day. He didn't bring the light from the outside. He brought the light from within the mess. Jesus was born just like you and I. Yes, God was his father, but he entered the world the same way we enter the world. He didn't come as the conquering king on a white horse that's setting things right immediately. Oh, yes, he's going to do that. And that's really why they missed him when he came the first time because they thought that he was going to come in and he was going to overthrow the Roman government. They thought he was going to come in and immediately set up his kingdom and set things right. Why do you think the disciples were fighting over who was going to have the best place in his kingdom? Because they they still didn't get it exactly what he was doing. But he came to make something glorious out of the mess. He came to bring light into the darkest season of this world. And he did it. He did it. Imagine, have you ever looked at the idea of the lineage of Jesus? Think about it. This young girl that wasn't married through the eyes of the world was going to bring the Savior in. That's unlikely. But you trace that back even further. Tomorrow was a prostitute who tricked her father-in-law into sleeping with her. Rahab was a prostitute who hid the, the spies and she wasn't even Jewish. Ruth was a Moabite woman. 
David was a man who committed adultery and, and committed a murder to cover that up. Solomon had all these wives, and even though he understood and was so wise, he kind of dabbled in some things he shouldn't have dabbled in. So it's not like the idea of Jesus' earthly heritage was this perfect, pristine picture. So I want you to understand that you may have a messed up life. You may say, you don't understand the kind of family I was brought up in. You don't understand the history of what I've had. But what I want to tell you today is that God is in the business of redeeming those things. He's in the business of sitting those things right. He's in the business of taking all of that ugliness and making something beautiful out of it. Because God even used that whole lineage to bring his glorious son into this earth that became the light of the world. And by being the light of the world, we're not talking about just a place of light. But what people didn't understand was he came to eventually eradicate all darkness, period. Let that sink in. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28 says this. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. See, God has always been good at speaking into darkness and bringing forth light. Matter of fact, the whole book kind of started with let there be light. See, he's always been great at keeping his promises. And we can take that to the bank. We can trust. Trust should be the byproduct of promises kept. So when he says, but for you... He means, but for you. I don't care how bad your past has been messed up. I don't care where you think you made 100,000 mistakes and there's no way it could be redeemed. Jesus came for the purpose of redemption. That's why he came. Prophet Isaiah put it this way, Isaiah 9, 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So you may have a messed up life, but that's okay. You're living in the shadow of death just like the rest of us. See, That's what's so great about this Christmas story. Every time I look at the Christmas story afresh and anew, I fall in love with it all over again. Why? See, isn't it easy? Don't you realize that how many times we take things that we become so familiar with, it almost becomes blasé? I've seen that before. I heard, but you know, we're kind of over 
overstimulated people. We have all this stuff coming at us from all these angles and, and we're constantly looking for something fresh and new and exciting. But sometimes I think we need to step back and look at things we've heard before with fresh eyes and realize, you know why I can fall in love with the Christmas story over again? Because it's my story. It's my story. I was lost and messed up. But because of that baby, I could stand here today and right standing with God. That's my story. And that's your story. And if it's not your story, we can take care of that and make it your story. See, I fall in love with it. See, that very first Christmas wasn't all bright and all cheery. It wasn't decorated with plastic trees and bright lights and candy canes and wrapped gifts and all that stuff. The first Christmas came in this time of darkness. It came in this time of despair. It came during this time where the people of Israel felt under heavy oppression. Maybe you can relate. Isn't it sad that in this season, that so many times we know we're supposed to be happy. We know it's supposed to be a time of joy, but yet we're carrying the weight of so many things. And it's weighing us down. Maybe you're carrying the weight of past mistakes. But you know what? God can take your past mistake and he can make it into a beautiful thing. Time and time again, I run across people. Well, you know, I, I really know I need to get back in church. I really know I need to get my life right with God, but there's some things I need to clean up first. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got it backwards. You come to him and let him do the cleaning up. Sometimes I hear, well, well, you don't under you don't understand. It, it's you know it, the church is so full of all these perfect people that have it all together and and my life is messed up. I've made all these wrong decisions and all these things and and, and I had somebody tell me that one time and, and they were telling me their story and I said, Come here, I want to introduce you to somebody that has a story just like yours. See, we all have some version of that story. We all have messed up in some fashion. But that's the beauty, is that God redeems that. And he so sets us right that the world looking on the outside has no clue that we've been through the things that we've been through because of what God's done in our lives. And God can take that mess that you're carrying with you. He can take those regrets and he can use it to reach somebody else that has suffered the same things. That you can, they can see the light in you and that light offers them hope where they're at. So as I close... Talk about being freed with the heart of promise. 
We already read Malachi 4, 2, but I'll read it again. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. That's how you get your joy during the Thanksgiving and Christmas season. You realize what you have been released from. And if you haven't been released from it, then turn it over to him and let him release you from it. God always hears the cry of a repentant heart. Always. Isn't that beautiful? That no matter how much we mess up, then we've truly stopped. And not ask God to clean. I'm not talking about asking him to clean up your mess. I'm not talking about him asking you to forgive you so you can turn around and do it again. But we approach with a repentant heart. God always responds. That's what Jesus came for. That's the price that he paid. And maybe you're here today and, and you say, but, you know, man, I'm, I'm facing... Uh, financial situation. I'm facing a messed up family. I'm facing a diagnosis from a doctor that that didn't go my way or or whatever it is because it can be a thousand different things. God wants to set you free. So I don't know what despair you're dealing with right now in your life, but I do know that God isn't afraid of darkness. He's not. He's not afraid of it. Matter of fact, darkness can't be in his presence because he is the light of the world. Said it a hundred times, darkness doesn't cast out light. Light casts out darkness. It's what he does. If you just bring it to him. Because trust should be the byproduct of promises kept. And your leaping moment is just a few steps away of laying it all at the foot of the cross. That's the price Jesus paid. I want to ask our prayer team to come forward if they would. And I want to challenge you. If you're here today and you just felt the weight of it all, Maybe there's some sin in your life you haven't given to the Lord. Maybe there's some financial burden you haven't given to Him. Maybe there's a family situation you haven't surrendered. Or maybe there's some sin in your life 
or bitterness and unforgiveness you're holding on to. There could be so many things. But as I was talking about this today, you know what the Holy Spirit brought to your mind. You know what you're dealing with. And I'm telling you today, we're not, we're not here to be judges of anything. God didn't call me to be a judge, or a judge. He called me to proclaim the truth and give people a path to come and surrender it to Jesus. And so whatever it is, if you felt that tug in your heart, I'm going to ask Kevin to sing in just a moment. I don't want you to feel pressure. I want you to feel that there is a Jesus that loves you so much that he came and was born into this world so that you could be released from the promised consequences of your sins to the promised blessing of his salvation. And it's there for you. So if that's you, whatever it is, it can be, maybe you're a Christian, but there's just something you've, you've, you can't wrap your head around the joy of this season because something that is on your shoulders, whatever the circumstance is, that's you as he sings. Please step out. Let us agree with you in prayer this morning. Right now, don't wait. <laughs>